What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I am here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, what's going on, man? Yo, son. How are you on this fine Monday evening? I'm doing pretty good. We have a lot of culture coming up and we're, we're in a bit of a, a lull week in a way you know like what Fahrenheit 451 dropped but other than that we're kind of just waiting for all these music projects for solo for some really big stuff to come so we're going to kind of use this pod and next week's pod as catch-up in a way for the culture that we either want to talk about and haven't gotten to topics that we usually discuss in the pod and we want to keep kind of going as an annual thing so before I get we get too far into it Subscribe everywhere, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, down below, share us with friends, we appreciate it. Last week, last Wednesday, May 16th, was the fifth anniversary of The Office series finale. And I was wondering, what is your take on The Office? Because I don't think we've ever really talked about shows like that. My take is pretty hot. I like Office UK. Wow, that is hot. Although, I don't know if that's totally unexpected. It's a great show as well. I also like Parks and Rec more than mm. the office it's kind of an evolution sure. you know mike sure goes from a writer to more of a creative force so it makes sense but i like the cast of parks mm. more so i'm not the biggest office head i know some people really ride for it parks i think was a little bit of a looser a little bit, a little bit of a more fun show just like even the tempo and the feel of it whereas the office you know it relied on its, its heartfelt moments but also it's like inappropriateness a lot of the time but yeah the office is probably my, my go-to just like lazy mindless tv watching thrown on all the time i know a lot of other people feel that way do you have a favorite office moment i haven't seen the whole thing i don't remember much mm. of it my favorite thing from the office probably honestly is that a lot of it has become great yep. memes you know like the one they're pointing the guns at each other <laughs> various steve carell bits there's, there's a lot of stuff that has mm. lasted throughout because i mean the overall narrative is not like this amazing thing people always bring up besides like jim right. and pam but it's probably me more than parks i think that's pretty safe definitely to say. yeah the, the jim helpert face you know, very famous meme. I, I think one episode I want to shout out because every time I see it, I have to watch it. Obviously, Michael's dinner party is one of the most famous ones, but the CPR training one where you know Mindy Kaylee singing the "Staying Alive" and dancing to it while they're doing CPR, and then Dwight cutting the face off of the mannequin and wearing it like Hannibal Lecter just will forever be burned to my, my memory and make me laugh. So shout out The Office, you know, a, a show that definitely was a huge first time and continues to remain huge. Let's jump into an album that we teased last week. We weren't able to get to it because we had five six albums we, we reviewed last week capping it off with arctic monkeys beach house so you texted me about this their new album seven dropped last friday and i'm wondering have you ever listened to beach house before this i've listened to beach house here and there i since have listened to their first three records in addition to this new one and my conclusion is that i do not like dream pop <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna be surprised if you were digging beach house but yeah dream pop dream rock is a good way to describe them they kind of create this atmosphere in a way it's close to shoegaze but not totally shoegaze rock so this is their seventh album they started in 2005 victoria legren and alex scaly but the difference with this album i think from their past albums is they use a new producer for this so they used a guy named peter kember who goes by sonic boom as their producer and he's produced for panda bear and mgmt and i think it really made a difference in their sound you know i think that there's a little bit more weight in in the sound it's a little bit more filled out and especially like the way that that they use their vocals to fill it out you know the song i'm gonna butcher this name but letting len can you i think great example that where the whole song is pretty much filled with victoria's singing but what didn't you like so much about this well, I think I definitely like Seven more than their earlier stuff. I thought the earlier stuff was just total snoozers. I just could not get into it. But I think on Seven, there's at least a lot more going on with the production. A song like Dive was probably the one song I did like because I actually heard guitars yep. on that. I was like, oh, more lively. <laughs> Excellent. I thought Pain on Mine was kind of cool too. But they kind of make me feel the same way I feel when I listen to the XX. You know, it's just not for me. It's not lively enough. Mm-hmm. And actually, BH specifically, I just don't like the vocals. I just, I don't know. It's, it's just not, not my uh, cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, it kind of blends in with the music a lot of the time, which um, I think is, you know, you think about My Bloody Valentine. I, I got a lot of similar uh, inklings to them just because they also kind of have the vocals seep into the music and it all kind of blends together. But you're talking about the production, and I think that's definitely the thing that I really appreciate most about this album is it like lulls you in with the songs and then you'll hear like like you said like an acoustic guitar kind of jump out or you'll hear like the snare of a drum kind of like pop up out of nowhere and it's almost like you're a spectator to the this this song and like seeing this dream go by um 
So I really appreciate that. I thought Lemon Glow was probably the most digestible out of their songs. If you've never listened to Beach House and you kind of want to jump in. Um, and like you said, I think Dive is another song that really stands out. And Pay No Mind was like, it, I really thought I was listening to my bloody Valentine record. So mm-hmm. um, I, I thought it was really great. It's getting a lot of acclaim. But uh, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see it on a lot of year end lists. But I don't know if it's it's going to be on our year end list necessarily. Right. Do they ha- are they sampled often? I know that their first album track "Master of None" was on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that party in the after party from House of Balloons. Uh, do you know of any other high profile samples? Because that one really stood out to me once I heard the you know the Beach House side to it. I don't know of any uh, samples for them. I could see them, you know, especially for someone like the Weekend that makes a lot of sense, just because he kind of mm-hmm. goes off that that vibe. But uh, I, I do not know the answer to that. Something that we we're going to be talking about um, a little bit uh, later on in this podcast, but we wanted to jump to it right now. Um, Kyle was an XXL freshman last year, and now I think I got one XXL freshman correct, and even on last week's pod, I thought I got one right, T. Grizzly, who was not on there. Um, right. So, you know, for the last couple of years, you've been quizzing me on who I think will be XXL freshman this year, uh, and usually to not so great... Uh, not, not success, I'll say. Um, but XXL Freshman 2018, I'm feeling ready for this. So kind of lay it out for those who might be new listeners or aren't aware of XXL Freshman. Why should we care about this? Yeah, so XXL Mag, uh, both the website and a magazine, is a long-running hip-hop publication, you know, like the source um, that has been around a long time. And while the influence of traditional hip-hop publications have certainly waned. Heck, even like the internet era blogs, their influence has waned too. XXL itself really just exists now for this list because what it is is it's a basically a cosign of the next uh, stars in hip-hop. That's the idea anyway. It's a magazine cover of around 10 people that XXL is saying, these are the ones you should care about because they got next, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been going ever since 2007, so it's a long-running thing. And um, you know, as of someone who likes history, I think like the record of uh, hip hop in terms of like when artists kind of got acknowledged, or in some cases acknowledged too late, mm-hmm. um, by XXL is really cool. And generally speaking, everyone who's popping right now, who's been around a long time, was a freshman, minus a few exceptions. So I think it's an honor that while in the age of social media and SoundCloud, you don't necessarily need this to get big and have a good career. I think it's still, uh, you know, a positive for any every rapper. Um, I mean, Drake wasn't on it, neither was Nicki Minaj, but virtually everyone else you can think of in rap today was on the cover. Um, so I think you know it's company you want to keep. Ex Tentacion, yes or no? Uh, yeah, he was on there last year yeah. alongside your guy a a Boogie and Playboy Cardi, who we reviewed last week as well. All right, so <clears throat> I have a couple people I think are going to be on it this year. Um, now, when, when does this drop, or has it dropped? So they've definitely already done the uh, done done the cover. It's already decided. They shoot the ciphers and stuff. It's so you know a big week on their YouTube channel and their website. Uh, but it's going to drop probably. It's it's certainly their June cover. That's the assumption. It's been the June cover the past few years. All right, so I'm going to throw a couple names out there, and you tell me if these are people that will or will not be on it. Our guy, Rich Brian. I hope so. I don't think he's a lock, unfortunately, but he should be there. He's definitely like worthy. Well, why sure. would he not be a lock? I mean, he his first album was pretty good. I agree, and I think so. I think the important thing to think about with this list is, you know, a lot of people, you'll see this in comments, it is people, everyone has an opinion on this one way or the other, but like, you need to have a certain body of work, I think, to get on here. Certain times, people get thrown out there, and they just don't have enough songs yet. Like T. Grizzly, mm-hmm. last year was hot, but he didn't have enough there yet. Making him wait the extra year was smart, I think. Same thing for Ski Mask, another guy we reviewed uh, last week. But Rich Brian is actually pretty popular. He's, his songs do numbers, especially on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he has a good project that I think you know, is kind of proof that he should last, you mm-hmm. know? But he's not as popular as some other people. And unfortunately, the popularity contest angle to it, I think, kind of factors in XXL decisions nowadays because 
you know, they want people talking about the list. They want people you want driving traffic to their site. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, they're not as apt to pick more obscure artists just because they're not known enough for the you know the money angle. Unfortunately, right. Rich Brian should be in the mix, but I think the the bigger topic to that is just that it's a good class. There's going to be worthy people that won't make it. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, the the next guy I think is definitely a lock. Tokyo. His album was fire. Uh, Again, Tokyo is unfortunately not mainstream enough that I don't think he's got wow. it. Um, really, all those Chicago guys, Saba, Smino, Joey Perp, No Name, I just I think they're just in that like internet popularity, but like they're not they're just not well known enough in like mainstream hip hop mm-hmm. that I just I don't I, I don't see it. It's unfortunate, of course. Tokyo is the type of artist that you know XXL should want to prop up and help you know grow. But I just don't see that one, unfortunately. Of course, he's worthy. Yeah, WWW was a great album. Um, we we reviewed mm-hmm. it. Check that out. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Stay plugging. Um, all right. You mentioned them. T Grizzly, Ski Mask. I think that they have to be locks. T Grizzly was almost on it last year, so he's got to be on it this year. And probably same for Ski Mask, right? Yeah, same thing. Like So Ski Mask, people are like, oh, you put on X, Tentacion. You didn't put on Ski Mask? Well, Ski Mask wasn't quite there mm-hmm. yet. You have to make him wait again. It's anything to do with Cardi. Like, Cardi was right there with 21 and Yachty and Kodak and Uzi in 2016, but Cardi didn't quite have enough music yet, so they made him wait till 2017. It's just kind of the same thought. So yeah, Key Grizzly and Ski Mask, the only reason these two are not on the list this year is if they decline it for some reason. Mm-hmm. They should be there. They're absolute locks. All right. What about, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, S-O-B-R-B- uh right so they don't do groups ah, on the okay. list so migos and ray tremor were never on the list brock hampton won't be there neither were sob xrb gotcha okay nav so nav actually uh is, we assume that it's because xxl passed him over and he found out but nav like talked mad shit about the list like a month ago released this song called freshman list and was like nah fuck that you don't need this shit and then Quavo chimed. He's like, "Yeah, you don't need it. They didn't pick us either." And I was like, "Quavo, they don't put groups on the cover because they can't fit enough people on the magazine cover. It's just a schematic thing." But also, Nav, like, the reason you got passed over is because I don't know if Nav is a worthwhile pick. Like, yes, he's got some popularity. He's signed EXO. He's got the Weekend co-sign. But do you ever see anything good coming from Nav? He hasn't released good projects. He only has that one flow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see the benefit of putting Nav on the list, you know? Okay. Um, so I'm actually happy that he decided to get uh, salty about it because it, I don't. I think he was kind of a wasted spot because he kind of is what he is already. Damn. Okay, so I, I might only be like two out of possible ten so far with my picks. Well, you're, you're mentioning people that were in the convo at least. Okay, so th- this guy, my guy Tucci Gang, Lil Pump. I know it's really Gucci Gang, but... Tucci Gang, way mm-hmm. better. He's got to be on it, right? Right. So Little Pump, there was actually some thought maybe Little Pump would turn it down because, I mean, Little Pump has that $8 million deal from Atlantic. He's by far the most famous and wealthiest person of the people that will be on this list. But, yeah, he should be on there. Gucci Gang went went to number three. Mm-hmm. His next song after that, Esket It, debuted at 24. And he also has more Instagram followers than Kendrick Lamar. Like Damn. he is a mega star, but he's also very new. So I still think he would qualify as a freshman. And from what we know from some uh, leaks from DJ Academics, he did actually uh, go through to cover, which I think is good because, like or hate little pump, he's a fucking star. And part of this list is the next stars. But on the other hand, little pump does not need this promo at all. Right. So it, it is taking a spot from someone who would probably use it better. But yeah, he's worthy. Well, I'm kind of out. You know, I don't, I don't really know who else could be on this list. Educate me on this. Uh, who, right. Who are your so, picks? yeah. So I think uh, Black Boy JB hmm. is uh, a pretty good pick. Obviously, his song "Look Alive" with yeah. Drake peaked at number three. He just released uh, "Simmy" uh, the a few weeks ago. His seventh mixtape. So he has the body of work. He has a hit song. He has the cosign. But he's also still really new. Like, not all those tapes got a lot of traction. So I think he's kind of like the perfect spot for getting it on it. And apparently he made the list already from what we know from the leaks. So I think Black Boy's a good pick because he really came into the consciousness like really recently. 
but he also actually does have a body of work already. He's not like a total flash in the pan. So is uh, just kind of from what you're saying with someone like that is, I mean, I hear him having this one really big hit and that matters more than like someone like Tokyo who has like a solid album, but maybe not a hit that brings a ton of acclaim. Right. Well, I mean, unfortunately that probably matters more to XXL because they want to, they want people to buy the magazine and click on the mm-hmm. website, you know? Yeah. Um, on the other hand, making a hit probably gives you better odds of making more hits in the future. You know, I, you can see both ways to it. Right. But, I mean, I think Tokyo's a better artist than Black Boy JB, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the whole debate. I mean, another guy like uh, YBN Namir, uh, I remember I, I texted you his second single, yeah. uh, Bounce Out With That, you know, a few months ago. And apparently he made the list already. And I feel like he was someone who should have been made to wait till next year because... Namir has like two nondescript SoundCloud albums. They're non-streaming, and then he had Roll, uh, "Rubbing Off the Paint," which got that you know Vince Staples remix. Then he had "Bounce Out with That," got the Joy Badass remix. But he, those are like those are his two hits, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of a popular kid. He's like seventeen. I thought he was someone who should have waited, and he wasn't ready. But apparently they picked him. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of the thing. Like you can kind of make a case for or against a lot of these guys when there's this many people in the running. Um, but yeah, Namir made it. Um, and I actually like him. I think he's good. Um, he had a nice feature on a G Easy Lucy, uh, 1942 or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think he's good. I just would have liked him to have, they made him wait. Uh, someone a little different though, uh, JID, he's, uh, a, a Dreamville signing. He signed the J Cole and he's actually like, you know, a pure lyricist. He's not like these SoundCloud guys. He's kind of been around a long time and his, uh, debut album, the Never Story came out last, uh, Early last year in 2017, his uh, the song "Never" is really good. You've probably heard it in a commercial by now. Um, so I'm kind of happy they would pick someone because he is definitely more obscure. He's kind of like like a Tokyo pick, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I mean, it sounds like they they are trying to uh, maybe give some some younger people, some people not as established, a little bit more shines, like bring them up a little bit sooner. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, I don't even think we talked about or maybe you did designer's album that came out, but he was an XXL freshman, correct? Yep. In 2016, same years, you know, 21 Yachty and all those big guys. Yeah. That album, uh, LOD 20 or mixtape, 20 minutes. Uh, not very good. It's kind of like the new English. It's just designer doing feature knockoff stuff. So, you know, being on the list is by no means a guarantee that you'll improve as an artist, you know, with the extra attention. So interesting. So yeah, my, my point to that was just going to be that it, it seems like um, they're willing to like take some more chances on people that could get bigger to like have like the bigger hits out there than maybe just like the people who are going to be established like solid projects for a while. Right. And I think to that point, like I think that pick this year is Smoke Perp. Apparently Smoke Perp's on the list. He's kind of like Little Pump's boy, the way Ski Mask came up mm. as X's boy. And I think Smoke Perp does like basic generic soundcloud trap pretty competently right mm-hmm. but to make i mean and dead star his like breakout tape that was reviewed by pitchfork it's not like he's a no-name or anything right. and he's really famous little pump really helped bring him up but on the other hand do you really think smoke he's kind of like nav do you ever as xxl do you really think smoke perp is ever going to get any better than he is right now no I mean, I feel like Smoke Perp is exactly what he is. Even if he stays around, this is what he's going to be doing. So putting him on the list, like, what is it? Did did Little Pump say, I'll only do it if you put my boy on it, I guess. But, like, I don't know. He seems like a wasted pick to me. Uh, But apparently he made the list. Like, again, he was like, he has, like, the fame. He has, like, the clout. Like, he's got part of it. But also projecting uh, future success is part of this. And I I don't really see much uh, improvement from him. Smoke Perp is simultaneously the dumbest and kind of one of the coolest names i've ever heard i can't i go back and forth on it (laughs) so speaking of uh, an obscure pick though uh, apparently from the leaks we found out that steflon don made the list she's a british rapper she's a little older she's 26 Hmm. uh she was recently featured on the alone remix the halsey song Ah, yeah um she's in the video and it's weird because she's been around a while, obviously, given her age, but she only has like one official release, an EP that came out earlier this year. And I was running it back, and I'm like, in a, in a tight year, you know, a lot of good picks. I'm not a big fan of this pick just because there's guys, people that would be passed over that I think were, were better uh, better options. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if like 
the label like schmoozed up and got her on the cover because I mean that is part of right. this. This is like it's kind of like Oscar season. If you want to get on the list, you have to play ball with XXL. Mm-hmm. You have to go and you know shoot videos with them, and you know you have to have to want yeah, it. Give you know, them they don't, content. Right. So, um, but that's a curious one. But at the same time, that's someone who will greatly benefit from this pick because she's not that uh, well known to the average fan. And while they, they've said uh, time and time again that they don't have like a quota for like picking at least one white rapper, one female rapper, mm-hmm. well, they do pick a female rapper. I think it's nice. Um, Cardi B notably was not picked on this cover. And while I thought last year she shouldn't have been picked, like she had two mediocre to bad tapes and some club hits, mm. but that was it. And then a, literally a few months later, Bodak comes yeah. out. And I'm like, oh, now she's got not the big legitimate hit she should be on XSL next year. Then she got way bigger. Now she's touring with Bruno Mars. So she quickly became a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, like she like skip, skipped like the last semester. Right. So yeah, she obviously would have turned, well, I assume would turn this down, but it's kind of weird how it goes that way where, you know, like some really high profile, like she was in the conversation last year, but I think she was rightly, rightfully passed over. And <laughs> I mean, look where we are now. She obviously is not a freshman no. anymore. It's just funny how it works out. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask about her because I remember uh, talking last year how you, I think you said uh, pretty much what you just said that she didn't really have enough to, to make the cover, but someone to look for next year. And then, yeah, she definitely became way too big for something like this. Um, is there anybody else that, that was leaked or that we didn't get to for this? Yeah, so we got um, we got well, T Grizzly, Ski Mask, Little Pump, Black Boy. JID, Namir, Smoke Perp, Steflon Don. That's eight. It's mm. going to be 10. Um, the one other leaked one, which I think is a good pick, a pick I would have went for, is Trippy Red. Uh, Trippy Red really kind of caught a buzz last summer, so he's kind of been maintaining it. Um, Bust Down, I think, is a really good song. And Love Scars is pretty good, too. And he's kind of a guy who, like, he'll rap, but he also sings, and he's kind of really unique in that regard. Some of his stuff just isn't very good. But overall, he's someone that I think will be around, apparently. Uh, Drake wanted to work with him. And uh, so, yeah, I think Trippy Red's a nice pick. He also is, is, is interesting because by picking Trippy Red, you're you're making the sign that you're not picking 6ix9ine because they, they, have, they have, like, major beef. Mm. And that kind of leads into the people that are getting passed over, um, 6 9 in particular, because I think XXL made a smart decision, much like how Spotify has decided to not promote R. Kelly and XXXTentacion in their playlists. Uh, XXL has decided, hey, if you're like involved in criminal shit or have accused of bad shit, we're not dealing with you on this cover. It's not worth the PR. So 6 9 uh, who you know has a laundry list of bad shit that he's done in a short amount of time should not be on the list. And that's despite the fact that homie's got like six billboard entries, like four top 50 hits, like six, nine has the fucking clout for this, but he's just too much, you know, negativity. Uh, famous Dex, another one who, um, didn't make the list last year. He was going to make the list last year. And then it came out that he like had a domestic violence issue with his girlfriend. They kicked him off. Then they were going to have him back on again this year. He did a pitch with their, on their YouTube channel. And then he has on his uh, uh, Dex Meets Dexter tape about not being sorry for the allegation. So I'm like, yo, fuck Famous Dex. Get this guy the fuck out of here if he's going to like go back and be like, nah, I don't care if I hit my girl. Right. So, but again, like those are the kind of people that you cannot have on the cover in, in you know, 2018. And also, TK. Um, personally, TK doesn't have enough body at work for me, but The Race is a big song. People like him. Mm-hmm. But he's in jail right now on trial for capital murder. You cannot put him on the fucking cover. No. Cannot. Yeah. I, I think it's smart to stay away from that, especially like um, there's already going to be enough buzz about who gets passed over for their body of work, let alone like their personal issues coming into it. It's just smart mm-hmm. to avoid that for, for, xxl um man i mean it sounds like a really strong year i think last year was like a mediocre year for them and this year is like it was absurd <laughs> right is this is i mean go ahead. well i mean we we haven't even made the 10th pick yet um but before we do that speaking of more uh people that would be on it if they weren't shitty people uh nba young boy or should i say young boy never broke again <laughs> uh you know him from his uh, Beast Mode feature on A Boogie's album, yep. as well as NBA Youngboat on Lil Boat 2. But he also just released his debut album. He's on Atlantic. He's another guy who's got 
I think six like top sixty songs. He's got some big big songs, but he's currently in, uh you know going waiting trial for a domestic violence issue, and he also has a violent past, so they're just not going to put up with no. that. Um, also, I think someone who hasn't done anything wrong and is by all means a good guy, but just makes bad music <laughs> and is not going to be on this list is Little Zan. I was going to ask about uh, him. <laughs> yeah, so like Betrayed, a big song, a song I actually like, but Total Xanarchy is tied for the worst reviewed album by Metacritic score of 2018. What's it tied with? Uh, I didn't recognize it. It's like 48, though. <sighs> and um, yeah, so you, you, you had your buzz. You have your attention. You have a lot of fans now, but you already released a project that was total garbage. Why would we co-sign you expecting anything to change, assuming you last? So I don't think he, his pick would make sense anymore. Yeah. Um, also, Bad Baby shouldn't make this list. <laughs> um, while I kind of think Gucci Flip Flops is kind of kind of hot, um, she's too new. Yeah. Doesn't have official project yet. You have to make sure she's real about the hip hop, and maybe she is. Make her wait a little longer if that's the case, and she's fifteen. Like she can wait. Uh, um, similarly, Jane Smith, Sire was really big. We weren't the biggest fans of Sire, but the production was pretty nice. Is Jane Smith really about hip hop? If he is, make him wait. He doesn't have enough music. One, I, I do not think he's about hip hop. I think he's about whatever vibe right. he's on that day. But two, I mean, Jaden Smith, how how could he even be a freshman at this point? I guess because he hasn't released enough work. Like, seems like he's been around forever. Well, he wouldn't be the oldest guy in the cover. Right. So he's he's pretty young. What is he? Twenty? Twenty one? Yeah, but if that again, it feels like he's been, I guess, in the culture for a long time. Right. So that leaves the tenth spot. So apparently, um, Little Skies turned it down, and academics was kind of going in on this, you know, about a month ago, where there's a whole miscommunication about like the list being rigged and artists like so. Little Skies turned it down as well as Rich the Kid, who are both. Um, worthy picks i thought little skies was like the quintessential freshman this year like Mm -hmm. he had a really quick rise he's headlining his own tours right now he's got deep cuts on that mixtape as well as two chart entries like i thought little skies was a perfect pick and he turned it down and it was over the fact that they thought the list was rigged and xxl was like you know manipulating the fan vote and like the whole time they've been doing this it's xxl magazine will curate the first nine guys and the fans will vote on the 10th spot and whoever has the most votes that XXL didn't already pick makes the list. Mm. That's how Jaron Benton made the list a few years ago, a guy who was signed to Hobson and not famous at all. <laughs> That's how Iggy Azalea made the list. Yeah. That's how Little Yachty made the list. That's how X made the list last year despite being a shitty guy. Like... That's how the fan vote works, and I'm just kind of disappointed because I really like Little Skies, and I wanted him to be on there, but alas, he turned it down, apparently. Uh, so the 10th spot, I think, should go to another guy who... Might get left off. He's not on the leak list. Um, I really like him. I think he's a good pick. Wi-Fi's Funeral. He also, like, fucking spits. He's a great rapper. Um, the Boy Who Cried Wolf project was reviewed by Pitchfork last year. He's got the attention. He's another guy from Florida. You know, mm-hmm. the Florida hotbed, SoundCloud hotbed. So I think he would be my pick. But that would mean Rich Bryan hasn't made the list. That would mean Cousin Stiz hasn't made the list. Little Baby from Atlanta is really hot right now. Just has that song with Drake. He wouldn't be on the list. IDK wouldn't be on the list. So this is a really tough year. Valet wouldn't be on the list. Mm-hmm. I think Valet maybe should wait another year, but he's in the convo. Uh, Puya, Maxo Cream. Uh, this is, there's a lot of people in the running, and they're not all going to make it. Well, uh, definitely a strong year for XXL freshmen. Uh, I appreciate you breaking it down for me. I'm always surprised and enamored by the creativity of these names and uh, by how much music I am not aware of all the time. Uh, Any last thoughts on this? Well, speaking of creative names, another guy who I think has great potential but needs to wait a little longer, he signed the ASAP, is Smooky Margiela. Mm, I like that name. That's a good. I'm down with that. <laughs> um, why don't we talk about maybe the least creative name of anybody who's ever been XXL freshman? Your guy Kyle. <laughs> yes, Light of Mine <laughs> debut album. So Kyle's debut album, Light of Mine. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see that this was his debut because I I knew he had released some some mixtapes before, but I, I wasn't aware that they were just mixtapes. Um, you know, in this day and age of what's a mixtape, what's an album, I guess. Um, I was really, really surprised at how much I liked this album. Really, it was. I I, I found it to be a very fun album. I got a lot of like, uh, like early chance type vibes from this in terms of just like tone and atmosphere around it. 
Uh, I saw you nod on that, so I'm guessing you had the same. Oh thought. yeah, well that's kind of been the the comparison for Kyle for a while. He was on a "Wanna Be Cool" that song on the Surf Project a few years back, and but like Kyle is like so so positive. He makes I think I saw this in a review today. He makes Chance look like DMX. Like it's pretty pretty <laughs> funny. But yeah, he's such a happy go lucky guy, and now he's like you know aff- affiliating himself heavily with Yachty, another positive guy. Uh, so he definitely has his uh, has his brand, has his vibe, and it it is you know stands out on the album. Yeah, Yachty plays his conscience throughout this album, which is a kind of an interesting through line. How did you feel? about Yeah, that? well, I thought it was it's just funny because I Spy his obviously mega hit. I think it like peaked at number five, uh, featuring Yachty, and you know big his first mainstream hit. Really, he had some you know inter- internet hits like Really Yeah and uh, like doubt it and stuff and he because he's, he's kind of been around a few years on the internet but i spy really broke out for him and kind of made him mainstream and then he got the xxl cover right after that and on that he says uh this is not the album homie these are just the throwaways and then he the, the throwaway song did so well that you have to have it on the album of course get those streams like hotline <laughs> hotline bling right. but he actually like doubled down on that and had his throwaway song now be the through line for the whole album and had Yachty come in and, you know, record voiceover stuff. I mm-hmm. thought it was quite the heel turn considering the initial messaging about the song. Yeah, y- Yachty, I mean, I-, I thought that was kind of a, I don't know, a little bit of a corny through line just in terms of conscience. But, you know, when you're when you're that ultra positive and he also talked about in an interview wanting to make this be his most personal and, and deep album or projects he's done yet i guess you're going to take some chances that probably going to fall a little bit flat when you're so positive but trying to hit an emotional depth like that um a song that stood out to me on this was the one with kalani um playing with you or playing with me sorry um i thought that song absolutely jumped out of the album that in games i like games too uh, yeah you know, it it was like listening to like uh, Mario yeah. Brothers like turn into a rap that song. Eight bit Nintendo uh, production. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, what other songs jumped out to uh, you? So I definitely agree with those two. Yeah, Play with Me is definitely my favorite song. I thought I Miss Me with Khalid actually was kind of cool. Uh, a little different from the normal vibe Khalid brings as you know a straight up singer, but it was kind of like a I don't know like a futuristic sound, like a and that was a little sped up. I thought that was cool and Khalid fit in well. Um, I actually like the first song, Ups and Downs. Um, I don't know how deep, I don't think this album is really deep, but he was kind of going into at least some lyrical content on the intro track, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you think Kyle's, I mean, this is his first project, what do you think his, like, ceiling is? Do you think he could be Chance? Like, make something as, uh, successful and and elevated as Coloring Book? Uh, I mean... Probably not. He's been around long enough. I mean, I feel like there's just an inherent, like, you know, genius and creative uh, peaks that not everyone can, you know, reach, right? Um, but do I think, I mean, he's clearly can probably stay mainstream. Uh, can His positivity can get him, keep him on radio, you know? So I think he can be around a long time. But in terms of ever reaching, like, the critical peak of a chance, I don't see that happening, nor the uh, mass, like, could you ever see Kyle being considered like one of like the top five rappers? No, I don't think so. No. Do you think Chance is a top five? Well, rapper? I think in terms of like sheer popular popularity, he's put in like the second tier after Kendrick Cole and uh, Drake. So, and probably right. Kanye. Yeah, and he's like, and I, yeah, he'd be the young Chance is the youngest guy in that group. So I mean, it's it's pretty a uh, high bar for someone like Kyle to get to, but. You know, Chance was an XXL freshman as well, so I guess anything's possible. <laughs> Did you notice anything about his uh, one of the songs in this "To the Moon," specifically the flow? Did the flow remind you of anything? If you remember, uh, that that was a straight Cudi ripoff. You mean? Not even that. It was just like I thought it was like a Uzi or a Cardi ripoff because the flow was uh really you know, rapping the bars, mm, rapping the bars, mm. like he was he was doing like the the ad lib, like uh like Cardi always does, like what. At that, at the end of every bar, and I was like, "Oh, so you just kind of made like your spin of a trap song, even though it wasn't a trap beat." 
It's kind of funny. But but also the chorus was to the moon yeah. and then like he would like hum that part and I was like that sounds just like a right good yeah 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 to me. but yeah that that's probably why I was getting that vibe. yeah I I think you're right that's definitely a good call on the style of that song um, anything else about this album stick out uh, to so you? open doors was the corniest song for sure um, <laughs> some some straight up folding clothes arid J Cole vibe wow. about because he's like yeah you, know, uh, you know it was about a girl right he's like. Uh, I'll open doors mm-hmm. for you, and I'll hold your hand, and like it was just all this like basic, uh, shallow ass shit. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, guy, like, relax." <laughs> yeah. So it, pretty much what you're saying is he's got he's got real potential, and he he can hit some real highs in this album, but his lows are pretty corny for sure. Low. And I think what he also has going for him is that he doesn't sound like anybody else. Um, similar to Chance, kind of like a, like a nasally uh, voice, similar to Chance, a positive. Spin. He's not, you know, a trapper or anything. But also, the production isn't like everybody else. Like, you know, G Easy might not be a trapper, but he still raps over all the same beats as everyone else. You know, but I think Kyle does stand out in that regard. And uh, you know, it's not like he like Nav also dropped today. We're not bothering with that album, but Nav only has one flow. Kyle actually has some versatility, which probably benefited from being in the game a little longer. But yeah, no, I think this is a pretty pretty solid debut. There's there's uh, some good stuff on here. For sure, I was uh, pleasantly surprised because, like, you know, his previous project, uh, Smile, his last uh, mixtape, which was kind of his first, like, um, first kind of big tape. Uh, I didn't think that was anything special, but I, you know, he he's grown and kind of evolved a little bit post I Spy, and it's nice to see. Definitely, uh, so definitely an album that I think is worth checking out, especially for the highs. Um, and something that I think we'll be talking about Kyle for a long time to come. Do you want to cut it off there? And uh, just shout out to uh, Anderson Pack. You kind of called this on our preview last uh, uh, at the end of last year when we were previewing what, what music we're excited for. It might have even been beginning of this year. I think it was January, yeah. But he dropped a song, definitely an upcoming project, uh, Bubbling is a banger for sure so he hasn't missed a beat someone else that i don't know if i can say they, they haven't missed a beat but they're back deadpool too dave i mean we're jumping right into this because there's, there's lots to talk about with this movie the 11th movie in the x-men i don't know installment universe whatever it is and obviously the sequel to deadpool from 2016 i mean i guess just to get your initial reaction did you like the movie yeah i like deadpool too i didn't love it but i thought it was good I guess, you know, just a blanket statement, I think it's more Deadpool, and that might grow tiresome for some people. Yeah, and actually, we had talked about some concerns around this film pre-production because Tim Miller was originally set to direct this, and David Leach obviously ended up taking over when there were creative differences between Tim Miller and Ryan Reynolds. And it seemed like the main creative difference was Ryan Reynolds wanted to make this a film more based on Deadpool, a lot raunchier, really sticking with the humor that got at the R rating in the first one. So I'm not surprised to see it be very Deadpool-centric, but it also does kind of take away from some of the, the bit players in this some of the, the the role players in a way like Zazie Beats got a lot of attention for being a role player but even her I, I wish I'd gotten more of what were your thoughts around that in general just it being more Deadpool centric right no I, I I agree I think that was a you know kind of an interesting choice because they got bigger with this one but you know partially got smaller obviously with uh what happens with his girlfriend Marina Baccarin's character so like they add all these people in Zazie Beats and Terry Crews most notably, but yeah, it does feel like it's an interesting sequel. It's not like any bigger in scope or anything. The first one was pretty grounded in terms of it's a small story, and this one's kind of like that too. But I don't know. It's interesting choice for sure. So in the first Deadpool, there's really not a lot of other characters other than Deadpool. I forget what the main villain's name was. His girlfriend Ajax. Yeah, Ajax, which I think says a lot about probably him as a, a villain in general. And then the basically the, the two X-Men, they even basically called out that there were only two X-Men helpers in this. Although I thought that was a great scene yeah. when he's like, oh, you couldn't even get them to just make a cameo. And they shut the door behind them. That was a well done. very yeah meta choice. But e- even those two, I mean, uh, they didn't get as much shine in this. I, I thought, I think her name was like y- Yukio or Yokio or whatever yeah, it is. Right. Uh, got got a lot of, a lot more play than even her girlfriend did. I'm, I'm blanking yeah, her name ne- as Negasonic. well. Negasonic. She was like... Yeah, uh, Negasonic. She, she kind of had a decent 
chunk of screen time in the first one, and mm-hmm. she did not have a lot of lines in the second one, that's for sure. You know, still very much like funny and playing the character when she was there, but yeah, she definitely was on the sidelines. Yeah, definitely. I actually, when for the first 20 minutes of the film, felt, oh man, this is going to really drag on. It started off, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but it starts off with Deadpool be, like speaking to the camera about Logan and things like that. And then it kind of gives background to catch itself back up at, at a certain point. And then the credits roll about like 10, 15 minutes in. I really was, this movie's going to take a long time. Picked up for sure, but... I didn't think that the humor of it landed as well as the first one, at least at moments. I think there were more like real laugh out loud moments in this one, like bigger laughs. But it was like boom, 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 almost never really getting a break from it. Just like the first one, it's so many one liners, right? That's kind of the majority of the humor, but not as many of them land. I don't I don't know so much if it's just they were worse jokes so much as that this wasn't fresh this time around. The fourth wall breaking slapstick nature you know it's not new anymore so it, it, it maybe didn't have the same effect but yeah no i i agree with that with the humor and i think people's temperature with this movie really depends on how they handle that because it, it is non-stop and well i think there are a lot of funny stuff i mean obviously you referenced the x-men references before you know self-referential to the universe but they made some digs at dc which i thought like those are funny but at the same time like how many other jokes didn't land you know all around you know those like actual laugh out loud moments yeah and i think when film is like as nonstop boom 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 one-liners as this if the jokes aren't landing for a while that the shtick can become pretty tiring it's definitely something that i think they had to be careful with i thought reynolds actually was still really great as deadpool i mean i, I can't really imagine anyone else in the role at this point obviously and i think he, he delivers the lines really well now it, it kind of centers around deadpool trying to figure out without being too spoiler how to deal with a loss in his life in some in some respect and i thought that that was also interesting because you're looking for this character who is constantly constantly sarcastic and joking and you're looking to really tie it to his emotional underlying emotional I don't know, resonance with the film and i wasn't sure if that was a great choice either how did you feel about that in terms of like a plot device yeah i don't know how anything serious can really hold up in the deadpool running series just because you saw it at the end i think now this point spoilers if you're watching our really early deadpool review you probably should have seen it by now but Mm -hmm. you know when deadpool assumingly or originally dies like it's dragged out and he keeps like making jokes about how it's taken him so long to die so i I just don't know we'll get into him a little later but like josh brolin's cable he kind of played like a more stoic character and he had actual like emotional motivations and I think that worked more or less, but I just don't know if you can have Deadpool do that. I totally agree, obviously. Brolin, I thought, had a really interesting role in this, especially because, obviously, we're at the spoiler point of this. His character isn't always on, like, the bad side, in a way. It becomes kind of muddled. You know, you kind of understand um, what his motivations are, and it makes a lot of sense in this world why he's doing this. Now, maybe he didn't need to take it to the lengths he did, and that's kind of what Deadpool was talking about but what did you think of brolin's performance in general it was it was kind of thanos-esque in a way yeah i thought honestly like i thought he was pretty good in the action scenes and he kind of played off of reynolds's humor pretty well i think um, obviously he wasn't you know trying to be comedic but no I, I liked him in the role he definitely looks like a cable even if they as they made the joke he's like <laughs> a smaller stature cable than the <laughs> comic character is which yep. is funny because in this movie they had uh, obviously colossus returns and then the Juggernaut makes yep. an appearance. And the classes in Juggernaut in the Deadpool series are just like bigger versions of when they first appeared in the earlier X-Men movies. So I thought that was interesting considering Cable looked way more grounded. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Brolin was, I thought, really good. I mean, he's a world-class actor. It's also, I think we talked about this with the Avengers uh, review, um, it's interesting to see him play two people in the Marvel universe so close together and with kind of similar uh, like affects throughout the movies, you know, very like stoic, um, kind of like in control a lot of the time uh, type people. Um, so uh, in a way, I kind of wish Brolin had a little bit more uh, chance to move outside that box, but I, I, I still think he did a great job with the role. Um, who else stood out to you in this movie in terms of comedy or even like as like a, in a serious role? I thought Zazie Beetz did pretty good for you know what what she was given as Domino. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she held held her own with Reynolds, and 
you know, she wasn't as like predictable as I thought it, she was because obviously it's just, like a very sexualized costume, you know. But I was, you know, I was pretty happy with her uh, with her role, what, what they had her do, uh, considering Terry Crews was basically just stunt casted. I mean, there's all this talk about there'll be an X-Force movie before there's a Deadpool 3, and everyone's like, oh, Terry Crews will be in there too. He's so happy <laughs> to finally be in a superhero movie. Just fucking kidding. He died like um, Adam Beach's character in Suicide Squad immediately. Yep. yep. Yeah, and I, honestly, I thought that was maybe the funniest part of the movie for me, was yeah. like that whole sequence of them, you know, like parachuting in and uh, each one, especially Peter, going through like different deaths. The whole like Peter thing, and uh, also uh, Brad Pitt being the Vanisher was just like yeah. like class act, like <laughs> just funny in general. Uh, out of all those, which one was your favorite death? Uh, Vanisher for sure. Yeah, because like definitely. it was a whole running bit about if he was even there, <laughs> and then it's just like a floating parachute, and I'm like, oh, it's probably just a, you know whatever. No, nope, he was there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that 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 was. That was really funny. And then I liked I liked uh, in the post cred scene how he gets like I don't know uh, the time turner from Hermione. In this case, it was from Cable, mm-hmm. but like and he goes back and resets everything. So give them some options. But yeah, no, I love that parachute scene. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Peter, go home. Just go home. <laughs> Turn you know, this is pretty. This is pretty scary. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what did you think of T.J. Miller in this? So he's not in that much. No, but he uh, wait, three scenes maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's kind of, you know, he's doing his kind of shtick. Um, it's funny. I, 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 I think he had some like really like drawn out like insults that uh, were uh, pretty, you know, pretty funny. But he's not in as much as uh, Karen Sani, Dupinder's mm-hmm. uh, a- the actor who plays Dupinder. He has more to do in this movie. He's still kind of an Indian stereotype. Um, but I thought he was pretty funny as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole like running bit about him wanting to be a, a killer and then kind of mm-hmm. the way it comes to fruition at the end, I thought was a, a nice way to like close that loop. Um, Cause that was kind of like the Chekhov's gun from the beginning in a way, yeah. like him saying he wanted to do that. Um, what, what about this movie? Didn't you like, cause you said you didn't love it. Uh, yeah. So I think part of it is just because it didn't feel as fresh to me and mm-hmm. I didn't find it as funny as I thought I would. Like I still laughed, you know, a bunch of times, but I was, you know, laugh out laughing throughout Deadpool 1. So I'm not, mm-hmm. again, I'm not sure if it was just a freshness thing or the jokes weren't quite as good this time around. Who knows? Um, but I think uh, Russell, you know, he's kind of like the driver of the plot, you know, fire fist, right? And like, mm-hmm. he's just kind of a grating kid. And it's like, I, there, were, there were scenes where I was like, you know, I was on board with him. There's times where I would use this annoying. And I think ultimately mm-hmm. it was fine, but kind of like uh, Ajax in Deadpool 1, kind mm-hmm. of a, underwhelming uh character you know um well i did think the bit about like they don't have plus size superheroes was was smart Mm -hmm. um i don't know i think it was just he was supposed to be kind of a grading kid that's kind of the character and he kind of did drive the plot when everyone else was fine but yeah i didn't like love everything about him yeah you know the thing about him i thought uh, at least the comparison i made in my head driving home was he was kind of like the kid version of rebel wilson in a way you know um, wow yeah like a lot of the same kind of just like personality traits and just like acting kind of quirks about him which rebel wilson can be very funny but there's also roles where i feel like all right need to like tone it back a bit um definitely can be grading um but yeah i I thought i haven't seen him in anything else i don't know what his background is. he's pretty new he's a new zealand actor i think he's like 15 so i didn't recognize his other credits yeah um so definitely i think he'll have room to grow and have better parts for sure. Um, you know, so one thing I thought was interesting is I was doing a little bit of research for this. Uh, so Brolin was great. Um, Kyle Chandler was originally supposed to play mm-hmm. Cable. And I was thinking about what would Kyle Chandler be like in this role? Yeah. It's funny because like Cable in Deadpool 2, he does still look a lot like Josh Brolin. Yeah. You know? He does. And, <laughs> and like, and you look you look up a picture of Cable from the comics, and, you know, it's kind of similar, you know, the, the gray hair, big jack dude. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. At times, I was like, oh, wow, that just does look a lot like Brolin. And Chandler maybe isn't as, like, a noticeable name for the average mm-hmm. uh, viewer, especially in the movie space. So um, um, that, that would be that's an interesting what if, you know, because obviously he's, he's a great actor too. But that, that would have that been, a, you know, interesting switch. I just imagine Kyle Chandler always as Coach Taylor. So, like, I'm imagining Coach Taylor as uh, 
cable right now and it's just freaking hilarious like dad bod cable i mean <laughs> you're just getting all of friday night lights into marvel you had a michael b already f- uh flame out his fan uh human torch and then come back for killmonger and taylor kitsch flamed out his gambit in x-men mm-hmm. origins so yep. uh yeah kyle chandler in there why not um I mean, what what else do you want to talk about with this? There were a lot of think a little like subtle things about this that really stood out to me. Like the music, I thought was was really great. Um, and one thing that actually I found really funny was when Juggernaut and Colossus had their show their showdown. I don't know if you caught it, but it was like an opera um, <laughs> for like they're just like oh shit, oh shit, like right. <laughs> very funny. Um, you know, around that time they started playing one of the soundtrack songs, which is a French Montana song featuring a little Mm -hmm. pump. And there's actual little pump lyrics in this movie. And I was like, wow, they actually went with that. And like, (laughs) there was a lot of like French Montana Hans, like after that. And I was like, interesting choice. It was fine, but I don't, not everyone loves, you know, fucking Montana. So that was funny. What did you think of the action in this movie? Obviously, Hmm. uh, Tim Miller was replaced by David Lich and he, did the stunt work and like co- co-directed John Wick 1 and then of course fully directed Atomic Blonde, a movie we reviewed last year. Check it out, SoundCloud Climbs, it's a nostalgic pod. And that had like that, you know, famous like faux one-shot fight scene in that stairwell, like halfway through the movie, which is great. Uh, check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen the scene. But I don't know if the the uh, you know the, the combat, the violence felt as uh, visceral this time around. Perhaps that's the product of being a movie with a fair amount of CGI, I'm not sure. But I mean, mm-hmm. did you think he like brought his like action sensibilities to the film? I thought there were some good action scenes. One that stood out to me was definitely in in the jail. You know, like the first showdown between Deadpool and Cable. I thought was was really well done. Yeah, um, and I, that really actually got me like on the edge of my seat. I was like, all right, here we go. Um, I I thought it was really gory, and like Deadpool can do that because his body like regenerates. Um, which side note. The scene with the baby legs uh, was also <laughs> freaking hilarious. Yeah. Um, really, really enjoyed that scene. <clears throat> but I, I, I think like the goriness and just like seeing like arms be turned around one way or like his head twisted backwards or even in the final battle scene with like the thing through his head that Colossus right. pulls out, um, it kind of takes it away from me. And I, in that in that regard, I do think the action wasn't as up to up to par as probably other Marvel films like the Avengers or something like that. Right. Yeah. I'm just thinking like even like the, in specifically the Fox verse, of course, obviously Marvel mm-hmm. studios didn't make Deadpool too. Right. Um, I guess it's on par with the first Deadpool, but I, I guess it just, I didn't think it like felt unique in terms of like, Oh, David, let's definitely directed this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what did you think of, uh, I mean, what did, you, what did you think of, you know, the overall, uh, like, the overall vibe that Reynolds brought this time around? It seemed like he was, like, extra motivated to break the fourth wall more, hit harder mm-hmm. with his, you know, references and his, you know, meta, uh, uh, you know, conversations. Like, what? how did you feel about Reynolds this time around? Reynolds, I thought, like I said, I think he's great as Deadpool. He brings a really great vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's so interesting to think about like Ryan Reynolds now definitely um, as like <laughs> you know they, they touch on it in the in the end credit scene I don't really want to jump to that quite yet because I think there's other stuff to kind of dig into but he touches on a lot of his his failures and, and mistakes in the past mm-hmm. um, and and he's come a long way but I still think like he has like another gear he can hit like another level he can get to but right. I think he's so committed to it, trying to make this role like funny that it almost takes away from him being a real like superhero in a way right yeah thoughts? it almost seems like this is easy for him you know mm. like this is this is him having fun like this right yeah uh, I just I, I think it's easy for him being Deadpool and it's almost like not ambitious for him. He, but like he also is such a steward of this character now. But um, yeah, I mean overall, I think it's it's a it's a worthy sequel. It's more Deadpool, and you know, for most mm-hmm. people, I think that'll be enough. Yeah, well, it, I mean, Fandango and um, Regal both announced that it was the highest uh, or the best-selling R-rated movie for pre-sale tickets. So it's gonna do pretty well at the box office this weekend um i don't I, do you think it will catch deadpool one 
I think it'll get really close. The first Deadpool one opened uh, Valentine's Day weekend. It was the original mm. record holder in February before Black Panther <laughs> blew it out of the water. But I mean, it, Deadpool one is still the uh, highest grossing R-rated debut ever. Right. It was 132 million over three days, and it's tracking to go between 130 and 150 this weekend domestically. So yeah, good good odds. I mean, and tracking with Avengers and Black Panther was way under. So odds are it'll be the new highest grossing weekend for an Mm R-rated film, which is great. Um, I think the Fox-verse with Logan, the two Deadpools, is, you know, a slightly different lane that Marvel uh, and DC have intentionally not gone down. So it's good to see them continue to succeed in the R-rated space. And let's hope if Marvel Studios does, you know, the acquisition of Fox goes through, that they don't uh, immediately throw away uh, the work they've done, the R8 space, to continue to let the people at Fox, uh, you know, make these movies. I mean, we know we have New Mutants coming out next year. That's, uh, I don't think that's actually rated R, but that's, you know, me horror-esque, you know, mm-hmm. uh, definitely like an avant-garde superhero film. So, um, you know, Fox has gotten a lot of shit over the years, and they made a few really bad X-Men movies, one of which is referenced in the end credits. But <laughs> I, I think overall, I think they have great momentum. Yeah, and I mean... Reynolds seems to really enjoy this role. Like you said, it's easy for him. And uh, I think he pretty much just gets to play a lot of his himself and what his own actual humor is and, and sensibilities in a way. I don't think he's like obviously as out there as Deadpool the character is, but he just likes to kind of slip into this kind of character. Do you think there will be a Deadpool 3? Uh, the rumors are that they would do an X-Force movie first. I don't that None of that's in production right now, and I don't think... Mm-hmm. We'll hear anything about it until that Fox deal goes through or doesn't, you know, get struck down one way or the other. Um, there was that rumor, uh, f- probably five six months ago, that they were going to make a Kitty Pride movie. That's uh, who Ellen Page plays in uh, X Men, and I was like, that ain't happening. Like they're not they're mm-hmm. not going to greenlight any more X Men films until this deal is done. And you know, we got Dark Phoenix and New Mutants coming out next year. They pushed Dark Phoenix out of this. Uh, at the end of this year so you know i i think x-force sounds cool they did kill terry cruz but now he's probably alive so <laughs> you know i think expanding it in that already space is cool but i think there's also a lot of push that then the reset x-men and like you know because the continuity so fucked that right. maybe they'd want to maybe take keep the x-men for like x-men proper you know i could see yeah. either way to it but yeah, if a Deadpool three is to happen, it's probably going to be under Disney's watch or Comcast watch, or if Fox holds out, you know, under them. I know. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm thinking, what's going to be more confusing: the timelines going on in the X Men movies, or the timelines going on in the fourth Avengers movie? Uh, you know, after <laughs> right. that, it's all said and done. Uh, definitely going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, I I think that they'll probably make a Deadpool three eventually, because like like we said, like Reynolds can do this at any time, especially if he has a creative. Uh, power he did this time he'll he'll mm-hmm. be down for it plus the box <laughs> office growth you know exactly yeah it's it's a money it's like it's a cash cow basically any other thoughts around this movie i'm very curious to see how the reception goes the reviews are actually stronger than i thought it's a uh, as of right now it's at 84 percent rotten tomatoes but that's 154 positive reviews to only 29 negative so hmm. most critics have a lot of time for this film and you would think critics would be the people that would get sick of the you know, diminishing returns with the humor first. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm interested to see how the fans uh, react. I assume they'll be just as positive. So that's, uh, you know, not quite what I expected. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just looking up here quick what the original one is at on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I'd probably imagine somewhere around similar to that. Um, let me just pull it up here. 83%. Yeah. So it's right around where the first one was at. Um, yeah, I, I, it will be mm-hmm. interesting to see the reception because I, I think if our initial reaction is that some of it's growing a little bit tired, uh, other people will probably have it, but maybe we'll be the outliers. Who knows? Yep, that's for sure. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, you know, we, we touched on a lot in this pod. Obviously, that we're recording this at different time as we're recording the other stuff, but uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different movies next week. So we're going to be talking about movies that a lot of people probably haven't seen: Chappaquiddick, Borg versus Mac, or yeah, Borg versus McEnroe, uh, Tully, and Gemini. 
Uh, so definitely check out our pod next week to get caught up on some little movies that you probably haven't uh, heard of or checked out this year. Or if you have checked out, we want to hear from you. Hit us up mm-hmm. at Nostalgia Pod on Twitter, uh, SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube page somewhere below and uh, give it, leave us a rating review on iTunes. All of it is very helpful to us. Any last thoughts for the people, Dave? Peace. Yeah.